Hey there, we're Megan, Lauren, and Lindsay. We're three teacher advocates who've been where you are and know what you're going through. We believe that teachers are as important to the education system as the curriculum, and our goal is to support you as a teacher and a person. This is everything your teacher prep didn't prepare you for. Welcome to Real Teaching 101. Hello, teacher friends who are probably on summer vacation, or hey, maybe you're tuning in in August. I don't really know because <laughs> you did not want to work over the summer and listening to our podcast could be construed as awesome professional development. Anyhow, whatever time, space, location ye be listening, welcome, friends. I am joined by my other two teacher friends, Lindsay and Megan. Hello. Hello. I'm not on summer break yet, and I'm real sad about it. Hi, everybody. I work year-round, so summer break doesn't really a thing anymore, (laughs) but my work is lighter in summer because I work off the academic school year, so there's that. Well, that just ruined my summer vacation vibes, but you know what? That's okay. Um, So our last episode, where Lindsay Yee be absent, we talked about reading, so I wanted to check in to see if any of you two have read anything. I have just started new books because now's the time of year where I feel like I can read things that are not about teaching and not about teaching small children how to read. And my creepy true true crime self, uh, which I know, (laughs) Lauren's facial expressions. Um, I can't see the titles. One of them is fiction, but it's about a girl who loves true (laughs) true crime podcasts. I know this will shock all of you. And her favorite podcaster goes missing. So she's like, you know, going to solve that. And then the other one is like true stories like a bunch of different ones combined together of true awful things that have happened so that's how i'm starting my summer vacation (laughs) okay so i have a follow-up question for you have you been watching the staircase i have not watched the staircase but everybody talks about the staircase and every time i hear about it i think of you i know a lot about the staircase the new hbo one whatever's on right now i have not started watching because i could not get my hbo max to work But I'm on that. But yeah, the original documentary of The Staircase. I've watched watched the HBO one. It's worth a watch. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's still going. I haven't watched the most recent episode, but it's definitely – I'm enjoying the take on it, having Mm -hmm. seen the documentary. It's very interesting to me. And Lindsay, have you been reading? I haven't been like actually reading. I've been watching a lot of trash TV and then – you know, audiobooks. I've been doing audiobooks mm-hmm. um, as I clean and things. My most recent one is My Heart is a Chainsaw, which is about a teen girl who loves horror films. Um, and there's a m- murder that happens in her town. And she's like convinced like this is how it's going to play out. And it's a slasher. And she's like trying to tell people. Um, it's a very long audiobook. I don't know that it's my favorite audiobook, but I've committed to it. So we're going <laughs> to see where it goes. I'm about Three quarters of the way through, so I'll let you know how it ends. Right this on. really took a turn with the horror. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sensing a common theme here between the, the two of you. Whereas my reading experience, <laughs> I went on a long tangent about Jennifer E. Smith, and then I realized afterwards that she had a new book that came out. So I read it, and it was 
lovely and and it wasn't as teen the characters are not teenagers they're actual adults in this one and so for that i was like ooh i'm identifying with these characters on a whole different level ooh, um, fun. it was and it's it's about this this rock star whose mother dies and she's got this like mental breakdown that happens on stage and she's really oh. wigged out about her career and she ends up going on a cruise with her dad who she does not have this great relationship with her dad and things happen. But it was lovely. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Do you remember the name of it? I think it's the unsinkable Greta James because I think it's a play on like the unsinkable Molly Brown. Got it. But super cute. You'll read it in like three days if you're like me. Okay. I love that. And and I am on a more positive note, was just gifted two new books by um, an author whose name I can't remember, and I cannot see them from where I'm sitting. But it's supposed to be like really fun beach reedy things. So I was gonna perhaps give myself a break from the awful true crime world and do something like fun and beachy. But it made me think of you, so I'll take pictures of those and send them your way. And none of them is the Jessica Simpson autobiography, which to this day I will <laughs> sing the praises of. It's not, but I I literally wrote that down. <laughs> on like my to be read list. So I have not given up on that when I fit. That'll be my next library visit. Fantastic. Also another plug, they're making a movie of it. And if you haven't read it already, where the crawdad saying is a really good read really oh. quick, sweet. It's not murdery. Well, there's a murder, I but <laughs> legit thought you meant the Jessica Simpson. Me. Like too. I was like, they're making a documentary about Jessica Simpson's book. Then I definitely have to read it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take us now into our actual topic for today. And we had done a smaller episode on grading, but today we're going to be talking about the larger question of that. So I'm going to start off with a very silly question. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Ready. Do either of you still own or use any of the following things? A rotary telephone, America Online, a beeper, a fax machine, or a Ford Model T? No. No. Okay. Now, sillier follow-up question. Why not? Because they're outdated. Oh, gold star for Megan. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now, next question, which you actually don't need to answer, but I want you to kind of tell me like the reaction you get when I ask you this question. How much do you guys weigh? Oh, I know the answer to that, but it's definitely not something I want to publicly say. Right. It's not something I want to share with everybody out loud and visibly or audibly, I guess. Okay, so why not? Personal. Um, that yes, that was also going to be my answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, there's feelings associated with it, right? Like a sense hundred percent of judgment and like what? What? Like that's that's. I don't want to say self worth per se, but a lot of people might tend to feel like that. That's how they feel. I was just gonna say like self confidence. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what does that question? What does the information tell you without needing to share the answer? But essentially, what information do you get from the answer to that question? And what information is missing? Do you mean in comparison to grades? Sure. I mean, that's where I'm headed in this very thinly veiled question. But (laughs) yes, when thinking about how much you weigh or because that's the question I asked, what information does that tell you and what information is missing? What I'm thinking now is like if someone were to just give a number response, um, people can make a lot of assumptions based on that number without knowing, you know, someone's height or genetics or 
past medical history or medications, perhaps I think like a little bit of like ableism is thrown in there as well. If we're just ba- if we're just like talking about just basing something on a number, which I think is kind of where we're going. So that's the mm-hmm. <laughs> the little piece that I'm holding on to. Um, so it it makes me think that a lot of assumptions can be made on someone based on one piece of information that is really lacking in like an overall sense of a person. Sure, and. How many times have like specifically talking about weight, you weigh in one day and then you weigh in the next day and either you've lost two pounds because, you know, you ran the day before or you mm-hmm. you worked out really hard or you had a cheeseburger and fries and you're now two pounds heavier. Like the number is representative of that moment. It's not nearly, it's not nearly representative of you as a whole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Thinking now about my two questions about rotary telephones and America Online, and then thinking about the questions of how much do you weigh, what would you say that they apply as far as grades go? Where do you think I'm headed? Well, I would say that the outdated technology that once seemed like state of the art uh, obviously has been improved upon and has changed for the better, even though some people like you know, hold on to those things with both hands. And exactly what Lindsay said, that like a simple number cannot represent an overall experience or really like overall what a child knows, doesn't know, what standards they've mastered, any of the above. And I think it's a little bit, it shows like the lack of progress the education system has made. Like the Ford Model T, right? Like how far have we come with cars? Like, how much energy and effort have we put into designing that? How much energy and effort have people put into redesigning how we assess students and how we, for lack of a better word, like, label them mm-hmm. with what they have achieved? Um, and so I think there's a real strong commentary to be made on that as well. Yes. So I learned, and I'll, I'll kind of dive into this a little bit more, but um, that our great system has essentially been around since the 1940s, which is why I brought up this rotary telephone business um, and the Ford Model T, because I was trying to think of like, oh, yeah, those were kind of invented around the same time. Um, but then things changed, but grades haven't. And I think you guys hit the nail on the head there with how, the how much do you weigh question and trying to wrap something up into a number. And I think the idea is that that question can be asked because the answer is easily transferable from one thing to the other. If you were to answer with, say, 200 pounds, you would kind of have an idea in your head about what that is and what that looks like. And it's a number and a language that we can all speak, which I'll talk a little bit more about um, in the other one. But I, I wanted to bring those up because I feel like when we talk about grades, those are two really important ideas to keep in mind, that things are old and they don't tell the whole story. So with that said, we're going to take a break, and I am going to come back and talk more about what I dug up from turnitin.com of all places. (laughs) (laughs) So I am not a true crime person, as you all know, (laughs) but I am a fictional crime reader, and I would like to make a plug, and I think I've made this before, for the Thursday Murder Club and the follow-up book of The Man Who Died Twice, which are delightful ways to enjoy true crime without actually having it develop into your psyche and keep you up at night. So without being the true, just yeah. the crime. Right. 
the fictional crime. I'm not going to call it fictional crime as if that's that's really yeah. a genre because true crime is, ergo, the opposite, fictional crime. Fake crime. Yeah. And I don't know what it says about me, but I enjoy murder, fictional or real either way. So mm, it's really just about like the murder mystery for me and like, did they do it? I did start the Thursday Murder Club. I, I'm more than halfway through, but I have not finished. But it is very enjoyable so far. Watch it before the movie comes out. Steven Spielberg, I hear. <gasps> huh. Okay. I could I'm be in. incorrect with that information, but I feel like <laughs> my brain is remembering that. Anywho, awkward transition again, because that's how this goes around here. So <laughs> when I came up with the idea for this episode, I put up a post on my LinkedIn to try and crowdsource some info. And I wanted to know what people had to say about the topic, just about grades and grading. And I got things like norming on what an A is, which I thought was kind of an interesting phrasing. Is gradeless grading a thing? And one of my LinkedIn friends, shout out to Betsheva Frankel. She's got a podcast called Overthrowing Education, which is lovely. And Ooh. she's got some episodes on gradeless grading. And so if you're interested in that, you can check her out or check out her podcasts. And Betsheva, hi, you probably didn't even know that that shout out was coming, but you know, <laughs> surprise. Anyway, Showing what knowledge looks like was another element that came up on the comments and equitable grading, which is something I never really consider. But when I think about how much bias is there in grading, that's something that needs to to be part of the conversations. But all of this already tells me that there is a huge discussion about grades in schools. So I want to be clear in this upfront, which is that I'm not advocating for the absence of accountability for students. I think progress monitoring, and I'm using that phrase intentionally, is really, really, really important for learning. But what I want to ask of us and of our listeners is to keep an open mind as to what that has meant traditionally and what that means for students today is what it means for the larger picture. It's sort of like the how much do you weigh question. It's very loaded, and we have to consider all of the factors that are there. Sound good? Absolutely. Fantastic. So um, I went into the history of it because I thought that that was the part to start at. And there's so much about grading that I was like, I think I'm just going to take this avenue here. And funnily enough, (laughs) turnitin.com, the site that stops you from cheating, is the one that had the most informative and easy to read and not 30-page report on grading. And I also read an EdSearch article that went with it too. So I thought I would pull some of the information from it and then we would dig into the, the finer points here. So it's time for a mini lesson. If I had a professor's hat, I would put it on <laughs> like I'm Yakko from Animaniacs. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, what does the professor's hat look like? But now, thank God, thankfully to that comment, I very much. <laughs> right. Do you know that is also on Hulu, Animaniacs? I do because my daughter, I love her so much, asks to watch it because we had watched the original when it was on Hulu mm-hmm. before they did the new one. But the original ones are no longer on Hulu. Really? Uh, I feel like I just watched them the other day. That's, I used to put those on for my dog when I'd go to work. <laughs> I went to go look for them and I did not see them. But oh. but here's how much of an Animaniacs nerd I am. I own the DVDs. That's amazing. Because the Animaniacs are freaking amazing. The The little skit where they would talk about like – I don't even remember what it was, but it was them explaining the difference between like play catch with grandpa and play catch with grandpa, like an adding punctuation. And the one image is them throwing the grandpa back and forth. (laughs) Oh my God. It made me laugh so hard as a child. And obviously still 
very funny today. Sorry, that was a complete tangent. I'm going to stop myself from asking the follow-up tangential question. Okay. (laughs) But, Lindsay, did you want to say something? No, I was just going to admit that I've never really watched it. (gasps) Really? No. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. You've got to fix that. You've got like 12 hours of time (laughs) before you you need to to be anywhere else so you should you should well, catch up I, on that i say we just figured out what you're doing tomorrow during the day all day <laughs> animaniacs marathon okay anywho sorry mm-hmm. everybody all right so with my yakko hat on I learned, thanks to turnitin.com, that assessments and evaluations have been around since ye old ancient times, but grading systems, believe it or not, are actually a relatively new practice in the history of the world, and letter grades weren't widespread until the 1940s because, drumroll please, education became compulsory. And because it became compulsory, it became necessary to have this system that allowed for communication between academic institutions, this idea of we all have to speak the same language. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it meant that grades were something that streamlined the complexities of education and distilled them into being understandable by a variety of different people, which included parents. It was a quick way to say, here is the progress that is being made by a student, and there you go. So by the 1940s, the A through F grading system emerged along with the 4.0 scale and the 100% system, and voila, we have grades. Is it bad if I I almost went, boo? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Um, I do want to say that um, the evaluations and assessments previously were um, kind of like these holistic measures of of people from what I could gather. And um, one other interesting point that I didn't write down here but I'll bring up was that grades were often kept hidden from students. Um, when they were used by teachers because they didn't want them to be too competitive with with each other, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So now finer points that we can discuss. All right. While accepted as fact, there is little or no evidence or research that prove that grades make students work harder in schools. In fact, decades of research tells us that self-determination and intrinsic motivation are what shows that students work harder and learn more, that idea of voice and choice. So I have a hard time with the fact that we have so much evidence that proves us otherwise, and yet we have clawed deep into grades. I mean, if that doesn't say America, I don't know what does. I mean, I, I know a few other things that do, but we'll, well, we'll get into I meant that. like the, the overwhelming inability to change, even though literally everything is pointing into the direction of change. I, I honestly think it's generational. Like now that we've, like everybody who's living has gone through this system, right? Of learned, like you need A's and B's are what gets you into college and they're perpetuating the cycle of like, you get A's and B's, you go to college, you get a good job, you live the American dream, which we all know is not the case anymore. Like times have changed, society has changed. And yet we still push that onto kids so harshly that the minute they get a grade that isn't an A or B, they think they start believing they're dumb. Mm -hmm. They start believing that there's no coming back from it. And this starts as little as like first grade. And it's so sad. It is. It's the idea of how much do you weigh? How smart are you? How much is this amounting to who you are? And I hate that. 
it's so, so beyond icky. I just don't want to see this culture perpetuate where we are constantly chasing after something that really, according to this, is pretty arbitrary and harmful. Yeah. And I wonder how many students and and individuals as adults limit themselves to what they can achieve because they only got C's in high school, right? But they never – and so they never thought like, oh, I could be an engineer or I could be – you know, because – they didn't think they were smart enough. Like, what is the system teaching us? Or that those C's gatekeep them from what they want to do or what they're actually interested in. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings up the next point, which is that grading communicates information, but it's incomplete information. It does not tell you the full picture about home life, about effort, about mental health, about any of that. But we tend to think that Students who are high achieving with their A's are very, very good people, whereas Mm -hmm. the people who are low achieving are not, when really that is completely inaccurate information, but it's sort of a narrative that is perpetuated across the things. If COVID taught us or showed us anything, it should have been that circumstances outside the classroom dictate a lot of what happens inside the classroom. We had kids that were tuning in for Zoom class, bouncing their younger sibling on their lap because they're babysitting them. How is that kid going to learn about ratios when they're also worried about watching their sibling? We don't know. We're not there at home. We get such little pieces of them when they're at school. And if we're lucky enough, they share some of that with us and we can help. But there's so much we can't control for them. And so how are you telling these kids who are dealing with food insecurity, housing insecurity, all these different things and that they need to prioritize their homework versus the kid who goes home to a stable home who sits at the counter with a parent who has a a, a college degree and does their homework. You're not comparing apples to apples. It's just not, it, it's not going to happen. And I think that goes back to that self-determination and intrinsic motivation of what are you getting out of the system? And how is that going to help you in whatever spot that you're in? Because the kid who's bouncing their younger sibling has an entirely different need than the one who's got the parent at home helping them with homework. And they also have entirely different sets of skills too. Like you were saying those assessments, and I mean, I feel like we could do a whole different episode on standardized testing and all of the ways in which it sucks. But what, is it Albert Einstein? Who has the quote about like, if you judged a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it would think it's stupid? I think so. Something, it is. <laughs> I'm going to Google I was that gonna say, because or, I want yeah, the accurate or, information. Or I could have met, like, you know, smushed two quotes together. I don't know. Okay. Did you find it? I did. You are correct. It is Einstein. Oh. Oh, okay. Was it like around the same words or did I make some up? Yes, you are. You are correct. Uh, Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Thank you. Yes. So I never did well with tests, but that didn't mean that I didn't understand the information. Like I would get myself like physically sick. I get so nervous that like, like physical symptoms and then you're trying to take a test and I'm sweaty and my stomach's hurting and it's all of these other things where 
you know, if I'm doing a project on it, a report, or like even answering questions in the classroom, like I can do those no problem. So I can show that I know this information. I've answered it for my teacher, like, you know, a hundred times. But then when it's time for me to take the test on it, I'm starting to panic. Just because someone gets a C on a test or a D or an F or whatever, that does not show whether or not they actually understand. Don't have much more to say than that because you did such a lovely job. So I'm going to move on to our next discussion point. And that is when there is a focus on grades rather than learning, it puts students at risk for shortcut solutions. And I tend to think of those as like, how much do I need to know? What's the bare minimum that I have to do? And if I didn't do the thing, how quickly can I make it up to make it look like I did the thing? Um, And to pull in our weight question from earlier, this is sort of like the crazy diets that people go so that they can get the result that they need, but it is not remotely sustainable. And that's how you get people on the Hollywood cookie diet and the apple cider vinegar diet and the whatever, as well as how you get the kids who find their way to cheating and Mm -hmm. uh, having parents buy their way into college and um, all of the other kind of crazy stories that you hear that you've probably seen in in your teaching experience. I was thinking about when you had mentioned college, it just, I feel like that within grading is all part of like the bigger issue of how we're measuring success. And I know we've talked about it, about it a bunch, but it's like, that is not the only graduating from high school, going to college is not the only way to be successful. And I, I think like with grades, there's just a bigger issue at hand, I guess, is like the point that I'm trying to make with how we're even measuring success. Now, can I ask you guys a question? Have Do you have any experience with standards-based grades? Because in my current school, I have to give out standards-based grades. And while I think there's like a lot more there, because now instead of like ABCD, people are getting um, like meets expectations, approaching expectations, um, exceeds expectations, that kind of thing. Then on the flip side, I think it's it's super like subjective from like the teacher's opinion on <laughs> what those things are. So have either of you ever done that? Yes and no. So the environment that I did have experience with was we were a standards-based grading, but we still had to report in letter grades. And hmm. so the one, two, three, four had to equate to somewhere on that traditional letter scale percentage because that's how we had to report it to the state. And it was quite wobbly sauce. But what I was going to say to your point was kind of the idea of padding grades. And so sometimes when teachers will consider a grade for something, they might be like, oh, but they worked really hard. So it's I'm going to give them a little bit more or they talk way too much in class. I'm going to take points away. Mm -hmm. And so standard-based grading is a way to kind of take that behavioral element out of it so that you're just looking at the work. At least that's how it was intentionally designed. Whether or not that's actually the case, I I don't know. I do think there are pros to it. But what I've noticed, it's, it's a lot of information and it's very hard for parents to interpret. People like what you mentioned, Lauren, are so used to the ABCD grades. Like they just want that. The thing about grading is kind of what you guys were both talking about, where it's subjective, right? Like, Megan, you may grade a stack of papers and give all the kids Bs. Lauren may grade that same stack of papers and give them all Cs, Mm -hmm. right? And so 
it really, and even when you have a rubric and standards, like it's really, really subjective. And when you're the teacher in the classroom, you have biases. Like these kids, you know that this kid worked really hard to get right here. So you may grade them a little bit more leniently than the kid you know is capable of so much more and who slacked off on whatever they turned in. Mm-hmm. I work for a company that provides grading service on um, mostly written work um, on essays and things like that. And it does take the bias out of a lot of it um, because the graders don't know these kids. They have no idea of their backstories. They have no idea of their learning capabilities. They have no idea of any of that. They get their name and their paper. That's all they get. While most teachers appreciate the service and they use it and it's great, it's more stressful for teachers to have somebody else grade their student work because then I think some teachers place how their students achieve on them. Like it's a representation of me. So if my kids go to this anonymous grading service and don't score well, that's a reflection on me. And I think that that's a point in grading and or at least in standardized testing. I feel like that's that's a big sentiment is that if they don't get threes on everything, mm-hmm. my job is on the line or I didn't teach them well enough, I didn't work hard enough. And so in that way, it's like grading of the teacher kind of in inadvertently which I hadn't even thought to bring up. So I'm very glad that you did. Isn't it crazy that it just like continues to spiral? Because I feel like we could branch out on tangents on each of these, like, you know, how teachers have been made to feel like test results tell you, you know, how you're doing, how standardized tests are just flawed from head to toe. And then like what you were mentioning, Lindsay, I feel like perhaps some of those things should be taken into consideration, like uh, socioeconomic and and culture and things like that. Like how do, and I don't have the answer to this, (laughs) but you know, like how should we, like the societal, we take all of those factors into consideration and give feedback? Because isn't that what grading is supposed to be? It's supposed to be like like Lauren, like progress monitoring, right? Like, like that phrase, like it's supposed to be feedback if we're using it for, you know, I I would imagine the purpose that it began. Absolutely. For here's the gap that you're missing. Here's how you can do better at it and then be better at it the next time. But I think that's what's missing is the fact that the next time is then quantified as how well it it went or didn't. And I think that's the the problem is that we're taking out that the fact that grades are in fact feedback, it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not, I mean, how many times have you as a, as a kid growing up or even as a teacher, you put a grade on a paper and feedback. What's the thing that the kids really going to look at first is the grade or the feedback. And so if you really want them to be successful, you have to take that letter grade or that number grade out of it and really focus on the feedback, do the feedback in the moment, have a cycle of that where you're constantly being present, walking around. That can be time consuming and that can be hard, but it can also be really rewarding. And I think to your point, Megan, if the ultimate goal is to learn, then that's where you need to go. It also makes me think about, you know, the, like the tips I've learned through my teaching career where it's like, you know, I, I purposely don't use red pens. You know, I try to use like more fun colors and uh, I don't do like minus I, everything. I Well, and my, mind you, I also teach first grade. So I understand that like there's differences here when it comes to the bigger kids, but everything is like plus however many you got, right? Like just trying to take like whatever positive 
You can uh, and focusing on that. And I don't have any memories of that from when I was a child. Everything was like minus three out of 10 or my like instead of plus seven, (laughs) here's what you got wrong. So I do think there I, I don't know if I can necessarily say that there's been a shift or if there are just teachers like who grew up like us who are more mindful of it now. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of higgledy-piggledy that there's there's people who, who want to do that. Um, but I also get the sense that they're like hippy-dippy teachers. Well, I, I was recently called a woke hippie as like an insult. And um, it was one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll always take being that that kind of teacher over anything else. I'm right there with you. I think there's been a major like societal and cultural shift with like just our generation in teaching where we teach where we treat kids like humans mm-hmm. versus treating them just as like children who don't get it and I know better and I think that shift has made a little bit of a difference in teaching like we care that the plus 7 means more to you than the than hurting your feelings for the minus 3 it means mm-hmm. the exact same to me you didn't know those three questions but me doing the plus makes you feel better and so I can do that for you it's just us like caring for them more as people, right? Mm-hmm. And this whole, you know, oh, it's so woke and you guys want to, you know, like let the kids have feelings and thoughts. I'm like, yes, because they do. We can't just ignore it. And so when kids, you know, are in the classroom and they are trying to tell us that something is frustrating or telling us that something isn't working for them, like our ability to listen and to be like, okay, what I was, te- the way I was teaching this didn't help you. What, where did you get confused? And trying to like improve what you're doing to help your the students. I don't think there's any shame in that. I don't think that there's any th- problem with you trying to be a better teacher because you're listening to your students. Like that's who we're there for. I'm proud of you for being a woke hippie. That's all. Oh, <laughs> amen. Woke hippies for everybody. Okay. Hey, so- new merch. New merch. That'll be your merch. <laughs> I just learned how to make stickers, so maybe I shall have Woke Hippies for woke everybody. Woke Hippies. Like if you would like a Woke Hippies for everybody sticker, send us an email. I'll make magic happen for you people. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So I realized I, I wrote this question down and I worded it in a way that's kind of like the answer would be yes, but I want you to think of what I'm actually trying to get at here. In your professional career, so be actually – what it took to become a teacher. Oh, maybe this is getting weird. Okay, let me finish my question. <laughs> in your professional career, did the grades that you got as a student matter? So, so wait, the grades from all of like my teacher training, college courses, or any type of grades? Any type of grades from K to college and landing where you are today? No, 100% no, because... <laughs> And this is not me telling people not to go to college. And I feel like (laughs) I really need to always start with that. Um, But when it comes to all of my education classes, if I'm just thinking about everything I had to do for a teacher credential, I learned more doing hands-on things than sitting in a classroom. But if you were to ask me in the moment, like grades from kindergarten through whatever, in the moment, I thought those grades were really important. But in hindsight, as an adult, the fact no, that you got I don't think maybe about them. a C in fourth right. grade was not a concern as an adult. 
No. But let me tell you, when I went to high school, I thought I was a genius because I was in Catholic school from kindergarten through eighth grade. And that grading scale, um, a 90 was still a B. So in Catholic school, and it still still is now, not every Catholic school, but the one that I'm in, um, a 93 is the lowest A. And I never, ever made honor roll in Catholic school. Like I was always like a point or two away. So then I went to high school and a 90 was an A. And I was like, oh, I am a genius. I lettered in academics my freshman year and I was like, holy crap. I I would agree. I think that I I mean, I graduated high school with a 4.2. I was second in my class. Like I, you know, and then I went directly to college and I was not ready for college. I needed to not be in college. I wasn't, I shouldn't have been there. And so that deeply affected my grades. And I took a, a swan dive into reality. And then went back to school and grades became super important to me again because I was, you know, going back and if I was going to do it, I was going to get, you know, all these A's. And I'm a person that school was very, um, I don't want to say easy for, but it came very naturally. And I learned the tips and tricks like, oh, I just need to get a grade in this or this is a completion based assignment. Like you learn those things, right? So I could gamify the system. I worked on the things I had to, didn't on the things I didn't. So again, graduated college with a grid GPA graduated with my master's with a great GPA. I am not using either of the degrees I have to do my current job. (laughs) So um, while all the classes were, you know, they were worthwhile in the moment and were earning that grade while I was doing it was validating. It means nothing to me now. Nobody ever asked me like, you know, what was your high school GPA or what was your undergrad GPA? And unless you're applying to become like to go to med school or go or go to law school, those things really don't matter. Um, and in the professional world, they care more about your skill set and your ability to be this well-rounded individual who's going to bring something to the team than they do that you got a 3.9. Yeah, I'm so glad you said it because that's what I was going to say as well, which is I think my grades, when I think, did they matter? As far as my understanding of knowledge, no. I mean, I've, I've learned things from a variety of different places. I, I like to learn. I, I, I'm a trivia nerd, (laughs) but, um, I think about what habits I learned, time management, how to be a team player, how to have conflict resolution and what that, and how much that is more of in play as a person and what I bring to the world as being a person, as opposed to the fact that I got a 4.0 in grad school. Like, great for me, but is that really, I mean, I would have gotten the degree of a 4.0 or a 3.0. I mean, I would would have earned it no matter what. But isn't that interesting where it's like, if I'm thinking about like undergrad, graduate programs, no matter what, like for undergrad, I had really good GPA. But I mean, there's other people that got the exact same degree that I got and like maybe like by the skin of their teeth kind of thing. There was a phrase that went around and on college. I don't know if this is a whole college phrase, but C's get degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yep. And it's like, yeah, uh, they got the exact same piece of paper that I got, but I probably busted my my gut a little more trying to chase after something that ultimately didn't truly matter. In, in a sense. It you know it. what it all comes down to, you guys? I think I figured it out, everyone. Gather round. Woke hippie talking. Listen. Woke hippie. <laughs> we are all chasing after 
the Pizza Hut Book It program from our youth. <laughs> yes. We want stars on a pin and we want someone to give us a damn pizza for doing the work, <laughs> reading the book, passing the test. Ah, uh, millennials. Would you like me to send you a pizza? Yeah. <laughs> Is that an option? I'd also like some stickers, too, if that's in the mix. Who doesn't love a good sticker? All right. Well, woke hippies, let's take a break on that and come back with our anti-PD tips. Welcome to our anti-PD tips. These are our takeaways we hope will stick with you from this episode. Because what's worse than going to a PD that offers zero helpful tips for your everyday teacher life? Nothing. Here are the three tips we hope will help you establish a different viewpoint of grades. Tip number one, give specific feedback. If the point of education is to make students learn more and improve, teachers need to give students more than a number or letter on an assignment that they've already completed. Instead, give feedback as things are happening. Walk around during a lesson or while they're independently working. Talk with students and be present as they are learning. Tell students what they're doing well and give them tips on how they can improve. Tip number two. Now, this might be a little woke hippie teaching strategy, but if we're going to offer you something here, it's woke hippie teaching. Have students grade themselves. In our experience, students have a really good barometer of their skills and understanding of a subject. Give them a chance to advocate for themselves by having them evaluate what they know. Craft reflection questions and at the end, give students the ability to put those questions into a grade. And then... Give them that grade. Tip number three, soft skills matter too. We know you know this, but we'll say it again. Grades don't tell the whole picture. Thinking about the bigger picture, soft skills like time management, listening, communication, conflict resolution, and teamwork are all very important to the success a person will have in their relationships and professional life. Build opportunities to develop these into your lessons so that way students can come away from your class with the things they'll need to be successful at whatever they choose to do. And there you have our three anti-PD tips for the week. Woke hippie teaching forever. (laughs) Before you leave us today, know that you're appreciated and we know you're doing everything you'll Let's stay in touch. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at RealTeaching101 or email us at RealTeaching101 at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Ambitious Ed. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you next class.